Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. On Odyssey Station. This is the pregame show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Langford in with you. Hope you're having a great Tuesday morning. We got a lot to get into today. The Giants beat the Rockies 7-6. We got the Warriors and the Mavs coming up on Wednesday, as you probably know. And today, we are going to bring back the NFT segment. And at the end of the show, toward the end of the show, we're going to do it at about uh, 5.45. We did this at the end of the Nuggets series where we take our favorite plays and decide which ones you could sell as an NFT, or rather, which one you would purchase as an NFT. Now, it's it's relatively simple. It's like it's like stocks, right? You buy it, eventually you keep it, the value goes up, and then maybe you want to sell it at some point. But the whole point of these NFTs is there's something called NBA Top Shot where you can take a specific play And then you can keep it. You own it digitally. So I'm wondering which plays from this past series with the Warriors and the Grizzlies would you keep as an NFT? Would you purchase as an NFT? So we'll get to that at 545. Steve Kerr was on with Damon and Ratto yesterday. We're going to get to some of that sound as we preview the series with the Mavericks. And everything in between. But I do want to talk some Giants baseball because I keep going back to the NFL season when Brian Baldinger, as you know, Brian Baldinger, NFL Network analyst, Baldy's Breakdowns, he joins us weekly uh, during the NFL season. And one thing that stuck out to me, and I think it can encompass all sports, not just football, but Baldy talks about the importance of just stacking wins. Stacking wins. No matter how you do it, no matter how ugly it may be, the important part is you stack these wins. Now, of course, the football season is shorter than the baseball season, but last night, this was a good win for the Giants to stack onto their record as they move to 21-14. and 14. Here's Yastrzemski. High drive to right! It is... Home run number three on the year, and the Giants take the lead. Now, Mike Yastrzemski would go on to hit that solo home run after it was tied 6-6 six to six 
when Tyler Rogers ended up giving up a couple of runs as the Giants took a 6-4 lead because Mike Yastrzemski hit a sacrifice fly and they scored on a fielding error. All this happened uh, later on in the game. But I do want to focus on a couple of things here. Number one, it's not just Mike Yastrzemski, because ever since Mike Yastrzemski comes back, has come back, it feels like he's looked way more comfortable at the plate than he's looked in the past. But I want to talk about this dude, Kurt Casale, who got the got the scoring started early in the game. Look at Casale and, and Bart. They both had homers in St. Louis. You, you like to see him trending. Hopefully this starts yeah, for both of them at that catcher spot. High fly ball to left. Connor Joe back at the wall. Out of here. Trending. Trending. That is the word. His second of the year, and this game is tied. So it's tied one-to-one. Nothing happens in the fourth inning. And then you go to the top of the fifth. You bring in Kurt Casale again, and guess what? He gets another home run, but this time with two runners on. That ball is gone. Wow. Look at that one. A three-run homer. So two straight home runs. That's the third home run of the road trip for Casale. Trending. Trending. This is the first time I've actually heard that TV call on the air because I was watching it last night. I was like, damn. That was premeditated by John Miller. He just instantly knew. That ball is gone. (laughs) Wow. Look at that. NBC Sports Bay Area with the audio, uh, John Miller on the call. But Kurt Casale makes that a 4-1 to game, and not only that, but he gets another single in the seventh inning, and that single ends up turning into a run as Kurt Casale would make it the 6-4 game after Yastrzemski hits the sack fly. So Kurt Casale was a huge reason as to why the Giants won this game last night. And I think that a large talking point after this game would be something to the effect of, well, what do you do with Joey Bart? Do you do you start Kurt Casale in his place? Because right now, Kurt Casale is hitting two ninety eight. His slugging percentage is at five thirty two. Granted, he's had far fewer at-bats. But the way that he's looked at the plate, the contact that he's making... Joey Bart's made that here and there, but you haven't seen a ton of strikeouts from Casale during his at-bats, and it feels like with Joey Bart, you're getting every single, it feels like damn near every single at-bat, you're getting a strikeout. I mean, it's happening on damn near 50% of his at-bats. His strikeout percentage is just through the roof. But a talking point would be, do you start Kurt Casale over Joey Bart? And my first answer, my initial answer to that would be no. Like, this dude's Joey Bart's confidence is shaken up. What Kurt Casale is doing, this is exactly what he needs to do as a backup catcher. He needs to take over for Bart, not only as the guy who... Because last year, when, it, when, when he took over for Buster Posey, the reason that they were sitting Posey for... You know, the, the 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 reason he was able to sit every third day wasn't because of Casale's bat. You weren't looking for a replacement in the lineup for his bat. You were looking for a guy who could at least call a ball game, 
who could at least work with the pitchers, kind of like Buster could do, because that was Buster's strength, other than what he could do in the batter's box. And Kurt Casale was able to do that. But right now, the strength in Joey Bart, by all accounts, is the way that he works with these pitchers. The communication that he has with them. The way that he calls ball games. Gabe Kapler loves it. And I think they're going to be patient with Bart. So with what Casale's doing right now, I don't think there needs to be any sort of drastic changes that are made. I don't think you need to take Bart out of the lineup completely. I think you're just going to keep going at the pace that you're going. You play Casale at the rate that you're playing him right now. And then you just hope that Casale can give you the same type of production that he's giving you backing up Bart right now. I, I don't think there's anything else. I don't think it needs to go much further than that. Because when it comes to the young guys, I don't know how to... Like, that's not my job. I don't know how to handle it, but from from my vantage point, I don't think that you want to shake the confidence of a catcher who's supposed to take over for the team, and then eventually you just find that he gets benched for a guy like Kurt Casale, who normally is somewhere in the range of you know a 220 to 230 hitter. Depending on depending on the season, but that's really what his average normally would be. I'm sure there's going to be a regression to the mean at some point, especially if you play Kurt Casale every day. But if you're playing him every third day and he gives you this type of production, then keep going, Kurt Casale. He's the reason why the Giants won that game last night because Alex Wood, even though he got some run support, this dude has been struggling. Whenever he gets into the fifth inning, Alex Wood, the starting pitcher, he had to leave this game by the time the fifth inning came around. And if you look at his numbers here, as last night he went four and a third, three earned runs. He had five Ks, gave up six hits. But it's not the first four innings that are the issue. It really is the fifth inning. And if you just. If you haven't even looked at it, if you haven't even looked at the stats, and you just can tell by your eyes, you could do the eye test and say that Alex Wood is not good in the fifth inning. Well, your eye test would be absolutely correct because here's how it we're here's how it goes. In the first through the fourth, or excuse me, in the first through the third, he's only given up two runs in each inning, two runs total in each inning. In his seven games that he started so far. Two runs total. That's really not bad. It's a 2.57 ERA. Then when you get to the fourth inning, all right, he's given up another earned run. He's given up three earned runs in the fourth inning over the course of those seven games. That's a 3.86 ERA. That's not very good. But then when you get to the fifth inning, he has only pitched 5.2 innings over the course of the seven games, at least in total in the fifth inning. And he's had a 7.94 ERA when the fifth inning rolls around. 7.94. He can make it through the first four just fine. But it's that fifth inning that has been the Achilles heel for him. He's given up 10 hits, given up two home runs. I mean, he struck out six and he hasn't walked anybody, but... 
10 hits out of the 26 at-bats. That's good for a 385 average for hitters in the fifth inning going up against Alex Wood. And he's only pitched two-thirds of an inning in the sixth over the course of seven games. That's not good. And I know we're in this new age of baseball where these guys aren't lasting more than five or six innings, whatever, but the fact that he's barely pitched into the sixth inning this year, that's just insane to me as a starting pitcher. Now, you know, it's not like he's Carlos Rodon or Logan Webb, excuse me, Carlos Rodon or Logan Webb, where you want those guys to go late into ball games. But if Alex Wood can't even get through the fifth inning when he has some run support, like I just want to see six full innings from him. That's all I want to see from Alex Wood right now. I don't need anything more. I like Wood. I think he's a. I I think he's a. I think he works quick. I think he brings something different to the table that a lot of pitchers don't. I think he's a good mix in the rotation. Show something different to the teams whenever they're going through a series, especially if it's a four-game series, and you got a hard-throwing lefty in Rodon. You got a guy in Logan Webb who pitches with movement from the right-hand side. You got Alex Cobb who also does the same thing. Then you got Di Sclafani, and then you got Alex Wood, who's this quick-working lefty who has this strange arm angle and a release point that can get confusing for hitters. I like that about him. Just want him to last longer into games. That's really what I want to see from Alex Wood. And I don't know if he's going to be that guy. I, I, I don't know if he's going to be that guy. But, you know, that's just it. That was it. You need to stack wins. It wasn't pretty. And Camilo Doval, by the way. Uh, Camilo Doval in that ninth inning, I thought he looked really good. I know he had the one walk, but he seems to be relying a little more on that fastball as opposed to the slider. I know one of the strikeouts he had, he had three straight sliders on him. But he's working in that fastball. And that gives him the luxury of just being able to fool these pitchers with the slider and have them confused as to what's coming. I think Camilo Doval is finally starting to find that confidence there. The only problem was Tyler Rogers, who has been fantastic this season, who has a sub-2 ERA, he gave up up a couple of runs uh, in this one to make it a 6-6 game. So... It was an ugly one, but they just need to continue to stack wins moving forward. And, I mean, that's just what it's about. That's what it's about in the regular season. Because when I'm looking at these other lineups, when I'm watching, you know, the Phillies play the Dodgers, and we already know about the Dodgers lineup. I could go on and on about the Dodgers lineup and just top to bottom, one through nine. It just, it never ends. You feel like you're going to get to the weak part of the lineup. Well, finally, finally, we're done with Mookie Betts. Oh, wait. Sorry. You have Trey Turner. Oh, finally, we're in the 7-8-9 hitters. Oh, God, finally. Wait a second. They have Justin Turner batting eighth? Oh, okay. But then when you look at the Phillies lineup, you got Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, Gene Segura, JT Real Muto. It never ends with them. The Mets lineup, we know about the Mets lineup. So when I'm looking at this Giants lineup, on paper, it's not looking as good as those other lineups out there in the National League. So I don't know how far the Giants are going to go. I do feel like it's going to be tough to squeak into that sixth wildcard spot if they can, not to mention the Padres in that conversation too. The National League is just absolutely stacked with their lineups. And if the Giants want to go anywhere, they're going to need guys like Alex Wood 
guys who are you know maybe the third, fourth starters in their bullpen to really get going uh, during this season because, man, it is going to be a long one. But nevertheless, they got the win at Coors Field all off of three home runs, two of which coming off the bat of Kurt Casale. All right, that's enough baseball talk for right now. That's your Giants talk for the hour. Want to get into some Warriors here. Want to get to what Steve Kerr and Steph Curry had to say. Steve Kerr was on with Damon and Ratto. Yesterday, Steph Curry had his media availability from shoot-around. We'll get to all that. Coming up next, Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. I know it's 5.20 in the morning. It's a little too early to be playing Steve Aoki. But did anyone see his first pitch in Boston? I didn't do any digging. I don't know why he was throwing out the first pitch. Is he from Boston? I mean, that would make sense. I should probably know that. But Steve Aoki threw out the first pitch, and it's a contender for one of the worst first pitches that I've ever seen. Of course, we can look at Conor McGregor going out there in a full tailored suit, not being able to outstretch his arms, which you need to do in baseball when you pitch a fastball. You got to have the extension on the arm. He couldn't. He couldn't have any extension because of the suit that he was wearing. So he just tosses it over to the first baseline. 50 Cent was really bad over there in New York. 50 Cent was terrible. 50 Cent still might be the worst. But those ones, they threw them really straight into the ground. Steve Aoki, I don't know if anyone saw it, but he just goes from behind the rubber. He doesn't even, he doesn't go in front of it. He doesn't tow the rubber. He goes all the way behind the rubber, winds up, Tries to get it to the catcher, and then he airmails it into the netting. All the way to the netting that's supposed to block foul balls that are going behind the plate. It was nowhere near. Oh, it was awful. And it would translate much better to radio if you could actually see it. But I recommend that somebody goes and watch Steve Aoki throw out that first pitch. Whatever. Hey, if I was throwing out the first pitch, I'd be be nervous as hell. I, I, I really would. I really would. All right. I want to get some basketball, though, at 888-957-9570 at the Xfinity Mobile text line. Or, of course, you can call in at the phone number. What needs to be your biggest improvement from this last series to this series? Does it need to be Draymond remaining aggressive in carrying over that Game 6 energy energy over into the next game. Is it the turnovers? Are the turnovers simply just the issue? Because I actually have this stat here on the turnovers that might blow your mind. It just might. you got to be careful if you're driving on the road and you hear this turnover stat that I have from the Warriors and Grizzlies in this last series. 
What needs to improve for you? Triple A nine five seven nine five seven zero. Because turnovers can be the issue, and I want to get to those. But the number one question I think everyone's asking is, what are you going to do guarding Luca? How are you going to get this guy? Just how are you going to contain him? Because in this last series against Phoenix, he averaged 32 points overall for the series. He started out in Game 1 with 45 points on 30 shots. And then in Game 7, 35 points on 19 shots. He had 33 in Game 6. Really, the only games that were putting down those averages uh, were Games 3 and 4. And those just happened to be the ones they won. And I do think that actually speaks to a point that I'd want to make here. Uh, But before we get to what Steve Kerr had to say with Damon and Ratto, Kevin Arnovitz of ESPN was on with Damon and Ratto, and he had this to say about how the Warriors can defend Luka. It's a series of bad choices, right? So number one is he loves to be blitzed, because instinct might say, yeah, you throw a second body at him. No. Because what Luca does breaking traps is just lethal. You've seen the kind of passes he can make, and he finds everybody everywhere. And that's also a function of his being six foot nine. So, like the blitz is out. Like I think what they'll probably do is a combination of switching to keep a body in front of him at all times. But also, you got to be careful because you know I don't think you want Steph on an island against him. And that's no. I don't mean this is any criticism on Steph. He's just he's small, and it's not a guy you want getting the Lou Williams treatment the way, you know, Doncic can sort of order guys off the menu. So I think I think that I think the Warriors are going to have to hedge at times, given the personnel. I think with Poole's out there, when Steph's out there. Um, obviously, I think Wiggins will probably start on him. And I think Wiggins is going to have to be your number one guy. Anthony Slater did a fantastic breakdown. If you go to The Athletic, Anthony Slater, 95.7 Warriors insider, he had an awesome series preview that you can check out. But part of that series preview was the defense that Wiggins had played on Luka during the regular season. And there are a lot of times where Wiggins, just as well as anybody, he played some good defense on Luka. Now, it's really tough to stop him. But you can only hope to contain him, right? And I do think that what Arnovitz said, they're going to try and switch Curry onto him as much as possible. I mean, that's the number one. That's the number one option there. Switch Curry onto him, or when Jordan Poole's in the game, possibly switch Poole onto him because he's going to blow right by him, or he's just going to go in for an easy floater. Whatever it is, Doncic is uh, he's very crafty. He's very crafty in that way. But I do think that you just want to keep it one on one. Because when I'm looking back at this Phoenix series, and there's a myriad of reasons as to why uh, the Suns ended up losing that series, but if you look at the first couple of games, as Dallas got beat by 7 by Phoenix in Game 1, Luka had 45 there, and then they got beat by 20 in Game 2, and Luka had 35 there. And when they were down 0-2, that led me to thinking that this Dallas team is just outmatched, just outmanned. It's not going to, like, it's just not going to work with this series. The Suns are going to take them over. But that's because Luka seemed to be the only one who could do anything because they were putting a focus on Luka, but they were putting a focus on the other guys around the team. And I think that's what the Warriors are going to do. So in my opinion... If you're if if you're a betting man or a woman, 
I'd take the over on Luka's points every single time because I think the Warriors are just going to try and keep that on one-on-one one-on-one matchups with him, not necessarily try to double-team him and try to stop the other guys from scoring, whether it be Finney Smith or, you know, Dwight Powell. Anthony Slater did an awesome breakdown on it. Dwight Powell... You know, you could play drop coverage on him if he's in the game, but then, you know, Dallas can insert Maxi Kleba, who they're probably going to play more minutes in this one. He's much, he's a much better matchup, uh, for the Mavericks against the Warriors. So I think they're going to play him a little more, but don't let him beat you because he's a really good three point shooter. Don't let the other guys go off because when the Grizzlies won, in these series, it wasn't just because you know Jaw closing out games. Jaw closing out, uh, Jaw closing out games was a big part of it. At least uh, Jaw closing out, um, uh, at least him closing out game one was a big part of it. Man, I can't even remember these series. There's just so much of it is going by here. But you also let Jaron Jackson go off, and in the losses, just look at Jaron Jackson's numbers. They're not very good. They put a premium on the defense on Jaron Jackson. You know, when Dylan Brooks was in the game, they kind of just let Dylan Brooks shoot <laughs> because, you know, it was just, he, was, he wasn't knocking down anything. He was shooting the, the Grizzlies out of the game, and that's what he actually did in Game 6. But they were also putting an emphasis on stopping these other guys. Now, granted, Desmond Bain did have the back issue, and you could tell that it was hindering him in those first couple of games in the series. But once he started to pick it back up, They wanted to make sure to try and stop Desmond Bain, but not double-team him. So really, I think the key here is that you can let Doncic eat. And this has been the Warriors, not only this year, but throughout their years in the playoffs. You can let the Stars do whatever they want. That's fine. Just don't let any of these other players beat you. And I think that's going to be the key here for this series. Now, if you know, if Luca goes off for thirty-five to forty points, that's fine, as long as you are holding those other guys to you know less than their averages. From the four hundred eight, Brunson is a problem. Got to contain him absolutely. Brunson is someone uh, that you need to to pay attention to, and Dinwiddie too. I think Dinwiddie uh, he gave the Warriors some fits earlier in the regular season. I think Dinwiddie um, is a fantastic player that's kind of just been overlooked through his career, even going back to his time over there in Brooklyn. I believe he was an All Star at one point, wasn't he? But Dinwiddie, I think is I think he's awesome, and I'm 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 really happy for him and what he's been doing. But in that trade, that was a fantastic trade there uh, by Dallas earlier in the season. Dinwiddie's going to have to be a guy you pay attention to as well. But it's not so much their offense that I'm wondering about; it's the defense. Now, of course, turnovers are the issue, but there's turnover the turnovers in a very specific point of the game. That's what they need to fix because I think the numbers. As you saw how much the Warriors and Grizzlies got out rebounded, uh, how much the or excuse me, how much the how much the Grizzlies how fewer turnovers the Grizzlies had than the Warriors. Good lord, I'm having a tough time wording things this morning. It's early, it's Tuesday. But these turnover numbers that I have coming up next, 
There's a very specific point in the game where they need to limit these turnovers. I'll get to that number next. Then coming up at 545, we're going to relive some of the fun moments from that Warriors and Grizzlies series with the NFT segment. I'll explain all of that coming up next. 888-957-9570 is the Xfinity mobile text line and the phone number. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show. 95.7 The Game. Dub Nation, this is Gary Payton II, and you are listening to the pregame show with Steve Langford on 95.7 The Game. My guy, GP2. Definitely couldn't pick me out of a lineup. But shout out to GP2, man. I hope he can come back. I really do. I really do. If he can, I mean, if he can make it back. Let's just say, you know, this thing goes to a Game 7. And and really, I'll just give you my series prediction right now. I'll reiterate it tomorrow. I'm sure we're going to get a new audience. But I think it's going to be Warriors in 7. I really do. I think the Mavs are going to give them some run. I think it's going to be tough on the road. The Warriors are a different team when they're on the road as opposed to home. But they got home court advantage. And just based on that alone, I think they can win in 7. Luka's going to be a tough guy to stop, and the other guys are going to get theirs. There are going to be some games where they do, but the key is to me, if the Warriors stop those other guys throughout, maybe it could be a shorter game, but I'm just taking a safe pick as far as the games are concerned. I mean, nobody even wanted to take Denver in four. I took Denver in five, and even that, it felt too cocky. It was like, ah, you know, maybe I should take Denver, or excuse me, maybe I should take the Warriors at six, just to be safe. But really, I do think this thing is going to go seven games, and seeing where the Mavericks are at right now, um, their confidence is sky high, and if Luka can get going early and create things for the other guys, and they can knock down their shots, and they can execute, I think they can make this an interesting game. Plus, Jason Kidd, I don't know if anybody saw this, but Jason Kidd's miked up on NBA TV. I'm sure it's been talked about on the air uh, yesterday from, you know, whichever show because it, it happened two nights ago. But the miked up of Jason Kidd directing his defense and, and, and telling, you know, telling guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, stay home, stay home, stay home, don't double that guy. Directing the defense from the sideline, doing the sideline coaching, it was... Fantastic, And that's the type of guy that you're going up against here in this series. A guy who's going to be communicating a lot. I think they're probably going to put another mic'd up segment there because there's going to be even just as much ball movement, even more than the Phoenix Suns. So I do think that just based on the good coach and the superstar, I do think this team can take a couple of games. That's just a quick prediction. But... I do want to get to the turnovers because there was something interesting that I came across yesterday. And again, I don't even know if uh, I'm, I'm acting like this is a totally unique stat that only I know. There's a real chance that someone else could have said this on the air yesterday and I just didn't happen to be listening. So just want to get that out there. I want to preface it with that. But before we do get to that and before we get to the NFTs, we're going to relive some of the best plays from the Warriors and Grizzlies series, which plays would you sell as an NFT on NBA Top Shot from the Warriors and Grizzlies series? We'll get to that at 545. But 
Let's see here. <laughs> Hang on real quick. This one just came in from the 424. Langford says, you have a man crush on Boban. Go root for the Mavs, you poser. <laughs> oh, man. I do have a man crush on Boban. Do you not? Do you not have a man crush on Boban? Everyone loves themselves some Boban. Go fix the coasters. Hey, use the coasters if you're going to Boban's house, all right? I love that commercial. Why do I put out coasters if nobody's going to use them? All right, from the, uh, let's see here, from the 408, Luca's going to get his 30 to 40. Shut down the OGs, the other guys. From the 408, good morning, nice guy. This is John from Gilroy. I think turnovers are killing us. If it's not a forced pass, it's one too many. Got to take those open shots when they present themselves. And before I get to the turnovers, it's not the passing turnovers that I think the Warriors need to limit. It's the other types of turnovers that they need to limit. And I'll get to those in just a second, but I want to continue to read these texts and get all of them in. From the 925, the biggest improvement they need to make, stop passing up points in the paint. Too often they drive to the lane and swing it back out for a three. Also, better shot selection. While the Warriors can make those fast transition threes on occasion, it hasn't been working out in the playoffs. Then from the 408, definitely show more patience and let the play develop. Forced garbage passes make us look undisciplined and sloppy. Go be professionals. The 6-5-0, the Warriors need to clean up playing defense without getting into foul trouble. I actually think that was a... I thought that was a big improvement um, later on in the series. It wasn't the Stars getting into early foul trouble. The first couple of games, those were certainly an issue, no doubt. But after that, you didn't see Clay in foul trouble. You didn't see... You saw Jordan Poole in foul trouble a little bit, but... You didn't see these guys get the early fouls. It happened early in the series, but I think they improved upon that later down the line, but I totally understand what you're talking about. From the 925, the most homerish and unarticulate way to describe a player is by using energy. Translation, he tries hard but is not good. And for the 408, just watched Aoki's first pitch, and I can't believe it was that bad. I've seen him hit people with full-size cakes from across a concert venue. Yeah, uh, you know, I think that... uh, That Steve Aoki first pitch at the Red Sox game might have been the worst first pitch that I've ever seen. Other ones, they just didn't get a grip on the ball. This one, he he airmailed it. I mean, he sent it into the. I mean, he sent it into the thirtieth row in the first deck. Didn't get it anywhere near. uh, Didn't get anywhere near the uh, the catcher. But anyway, that's never that's that's beside the point. Turnovers. Steve Kerr talked about that. On with Damon and Ratto yesterday, as it was good to have him back on the show. Um, and Steve Kerr talked about how they were obscene. You'd way rather have the dead ball turnover where you get your defense set up. The live ball turnovers are, are killers. So there is a, a pretty big difference. But um, I just think as you as you get deeper in the playoffs, the competition gets better. You know, every possession matters. And, you know, we are going to be a relatively high turnover team. We have been for a long time. Um and as long as it's measured and tempered, then I think we're fine. We've won championships being a high turnover team, but it can't be obscene. It's got to be got to be reasonable. So these turnovers, there are a lot of them. Don't get me wrong. A lot of these turnovers can be very frustrating. Like when you see Steph Curry drive to the right corner and he tries to make one of those crazy over the shoulder passes that we've seen him do it's almost like a it's almost like a sky hook pass when it, when Steph does that now we've seen him make those passes before 
But we've also seen him turn the ball over in those instances, trying to thread the needle when it's not there. Now, I think we got to give the Grizzlies some credit here because they did a very good job of blocking those passing lanes and keeping their hands active. Um, There are a couple of plays in that last game, in Game 6, where they were turnovers, but it's because Dylan Brooks had the wherewithal to get his hand out and block the pass. Kyle Anderson had a couple of those. They really they stayed active on defense. You know, Desmond Bain, a lot of these guys. So I do give them some credit. But there are also some of those boneheaded turnovers that the Warriors can control. You know, the unforced the unforced errors. We're gonna bring this to tennis. The unforced errors that the Warriors end up making, they can get frustrating at times. But in my opinion, and and this is just based on the numbers here, this is actually, this is, this is kind of crazy. I, I, I didn't really think about this, but the Warriors had 109 turnovers in the series. The Grizzlies had 72. 72. That's 37 more turnovers than the Grizzlies. That's a lot. And that's something you can't really have. You you just you, you can't have that. But here's where the biggest disparity is, because there's a thirty seven point disparity there. But then when you look at the actual numbers in the first half, the Warriors had seventy one turnovers and the Grizzlies had thirty four. What's the disparity? That's 37. So they had 37 more turnovers in the first half. You know what that means? In the second half, they were tied in turnovers. Each team had 38. So limiting the turnovers is one thing. I think it's just limit the turnovers in the first half. Don't let the other team beat you. Because it feels like the Warriors were constantly... Playing from behind. It felt like they were trying to climb an uphill battle in every single one of these games. And that's in large part due to the turnovers. The Grizzlies would get points in transition. You know, they'd get up by double digits. And then in turn, they'd start forcing shots. But it's not just the bad pass turnovers that I... It's not just the bad pass turnovers that I have an issue with. It's more so the shot turnovers. That's the new thing now. There's always something that these coaches bring up, and the players too. And Draymond's made this a point of emphasis in his podcast. Steve Kerr has made this a point of emphasis after the games. It's the bad shots that turn into easy transition buckets for the Grizzlies. They count those as shot turnovers. And you've seen those from everyone on the team. Hell, when I was re-watching uh, Game 6, we think that Draymond only yells at guys like Jordan Poole. Oh no. There was a moment where Clay took this he had a he had a I'm not gonna say it was a wide open look, but he had somebody closing out on him. I think it was Dylan Brooks. And he put the shot up. There was still seventeen seconds left on the shot clock. And they just got uh and they actually no, there was the offensive rebound. And then as soon as they got the ball with about 12 seconds left. Really, as soon as they got it, Clay took the shot, and you see Draymond yelling at him as Taylor Jenkins ends up calling a timeout on the other end as the as the as the Grizzlies are trying to get going. 
little things like that, the shot turnovers, the bad shots. Now, granted, there was a timeout taken, so you don't necessarily count that one. But it's the turnovers in the first half, and it's like the texter said here from the... Damn, where was it? Ah, from John and Gilroy. It was... Oh, damn it, I lost it. Never mind. Wait, hang on. Oh, from the 925. Better shot selection. That's going to be a key uh, for me, too, in this game against Dallas. That's the biggest thing that needs to improve. I do want to see Draymond continue to be more aggressive. I think he opens things up a lot, as Steve Kerr said on Damon and Ratto yesterday about Draymond. There's a different vibe. You can feel it, you know, when he's aggressive. I love the other night in Game 6 where he launched that three early in the game. And it didn't make it, but it didn't matter. Like, it just set a tone. And, and uh, I don't know how many shots he took the other night, but he was aggressive. I think he had 14 points. There was just a bounce to his step. He was all over the glass. He was uh, vintage Draymond. And, and um, you know, that's that's the best version, the one who is aggressive and talking trash to the other team and the other team's coach and, you know, knocking down a three and yelling at the world. Like, that's. That's the that's the guy we love, and uh, you know we're going to ask him to be very aggressive in this series for sure. And if he continues that, if he has a game six like he had, where he's putting up the most shot attempts, like I want to see his attempts. Like I think he had five games where he only where he had where he was in the double digits in shots attempted, which is not a lot at all. And this game was easily. Uh, the highest that he had during the season. He took 14 shots. Now, granted, he didn't make every single one of them. He took three threes, didn't knock any of them down. But if Draymond's staying aggressive, I think that's going to pose some problems for the Mavs, and they're going to stop paying attention to the likes of, or they're going to have to pay attention to someone else, to the likes of, you know, Possibly even Looney and Draymond when they're on the court. If Looney and Draymond are playing the way that they were playing, the little back and forth that they had, man, I, I, I think this. Uh, I, I think this series could be a good one. But hey, the most important thing is they got home court advantage. Like that's the number one thing. I, I really think home court advantage is real for the Warriors, despite what you may think about the crowd, despite what you may think about it not being Oracle, whatever. There's a different vibe to this team when they are playing at home, and and that's clear. If you just watch this team game in and game out, there's a different vibe to them when they're playing at Chase Center. Speaking of which, I want to get to some of these plays from the Grizzlies and the Warriors. Let's relive some of the best moments here. Now, the way that I'm framing this, if you know what NFTs are, non-fungible tokens... Really what they are are things that you could purchase digitally. And there's a certain base, I guess that's what you'd call it, called NBA Top Shot, where they basically, they're like basketball cards, except, you know, with uh, the, the card being the player with stats on it or whatever. It's the actual play. So, for example... The chase down uh, block on Iguodala from LeBron. Someone can purchase that play digitally and own it in Bitcoin. I'm not even going to get to the whole Bitcoin thing. 
So really, I'm wondering which plays from this Warriors and Grizzlies series would you sell or would you purchase rather as an NFT? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. One that you could buy now because its value is going to skyrocket by the time that this postseason is over. Which plays from this last series would you purchase as an NFT? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. We did this at the end of the Nuggets Warriors series. It was a lot of fun and I'm going to play my number one now granted this is an entire sequence and for the sake of this segment we are going to make it seem like you could purchase these sequences as an NFT but this play at the end of game six I just I can't get over it when Looney had two offensive rebounds and they managed to get it to Clay for three here comes Wiggins up top screen set Curry on Jackson step back it's a three no good Looney offensive rebound touch pass to Thompson finds Curry Curry dribble drive behind the back in traffic no look pass batted away goes right to Looney that's a break Looney stops in the paint to Draymond handoff Curry deep three on the way with one on the clock back rim missed Looney again finds Thompson loads up a triple good it's madness just madness Devon Looney 21 rebounds it's an 18 to 3 run Warriors 105 Grizzlies 92 timeout Memphis 257 to go and they're going bananas here at Chase Center I mean, that's going to have Clay holding up the six at the end of it, going to the Chase Center crowd. Inject that one into my veins. I would purchase that as an NFT, and I wouldn't even, you know, I, I wouldn't even sell it. I wouldn't even sell it. I'd keep that for the rest of my life. That's just how much I like that play. That's just how much I like that play. But that would be my number one, man. Now, there's a few more that I do want to get to, and uh, I go back all the way to game one. This one... We don't really pay attention to it too much because it was in the third quarter and it made it a 68-66 to game, but it was just a beautiful bing-bang-boom play with Steph and Jordan Poole. Steph is in the corner. Jordan Poole is in the low block. Now Jordan Poole is coming to set a screen. He fades off of that, and then he goes to the left wing. Curry's right next to him. Curry passes it to him. And then as soon as Poole gets the ball, he passes it right back to Curry as the defense is swinging to his side. Then Curry knocks down the four-point play to make it 68-66 to Memphis. Top of the key. Off the screen. Takes another three. This one's going to be short. Rebound. Bangs off the hand of Wiggins, who somehow controls it. Turns it into a fast break. Curry. Touch pass Poole. Back to Curry. Left corner three. Up good and a foul. He got fouled by Morant. The Warriors have taken the lead. I mean, that play right there, if that doesn't go to show just how dangerous and lethal Stefan Poole can be, and my favorite part about it is, you're not going to be able to see this in the NFT, and by the way, that's what we're doing right now if you're just getting into your car, which plays from Warriors Grizzlies would you sell as an NFT? But that four-point play happened in the second half as Draymond got ejected and it just showed that the Warriors were not going to be out of that game. They weren't going to they weren't going to let that ejection simmer throughout that one. It was just a beautiful shot by Curry and that one made it 68 to 66 Memphis obviously. The Warriors would uh, go on to win that one. So that would be my number 2. My number 3 I mean, 
This one has to be obvious, right? I'm getting it from the 707 here. The poster dunk by Andrew Wiggins on Brandon Clark. And it was in game two. Wiggins, lob for Draymond. Good catch. Pass to Porter Jr. The pool. He'll dribble drive. Comes in. Up top to Wiggins. Shot clock at five. Down the lane to the rack. And he dunked it. He just put Clark to the floor. Wiggins with a slam. A two-hand slam for Andrew Wiggins. And it was savage. Yes, that's an elevation sensation. That play, I'd never seen Andrew Wiggins turn into angry Wiggins. He was mad because this is this was the game, obviously game two, the game after the Dylan Brooks foul on GP2. And it clearly had enra- enraged Wiggins, and I'd never seen him talk like that. I'd never seen him make that face. I'd never seen him do any of that. That was wild. But I do want to continue on here, and I've got a couple here from... Game three, because this one from Clay Thompson, this happened in the third quarter. The game was way out of hand already, and Clay was going off. And this shot, I mean, he gets the ball, he curls around the screen, totally off balance. Looks like he's in a, a layup for him. He puts one leg up, but it's from the top of the key, and he manages to knock it down. Curry takes the inbound oh. to the far side. Dribble drive, hook pass up top for Draymond. The foul was on Melton. Thompson takes a shot at wow. traffic and nailed the three straight on. He's that feeling was a it. Tough shot. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, that one, he was just falling over, has one leg up, and somehow manages to knock down that three. I'd keep that one. Uh, as an NFT, no doubt. And that's what we're doing right now. If you want to weigh in at AAA 957-9570, which play would you purchase as an NFT? If you could own one digitally, maybe you could sell it later down the line. Which one would you pick? Which one would you purchase from this series at 888-957-9570? Now, game four. Uh, it was it was ugly. Game four was ugly. But the Warriors managed to pull off the win. But this is really what spurred it on. We talk about how big Andrew Wiggins was in the second half in Game 6. Well, how about Wiggins in the second half in Game 4? Here comes Bain to set the screen. He'll flare out, guarded by Wiggins, drives on him, goes up, block! Wiggins roofed it, knocked away to Poole. Poole has the dribble. Poole sees the bucket, goes in, glides in, inside hand. And again, it's a one-point game. I mean, that block by Wiggins was just fantastic. But then Jordan Poole, as soon as he gets the ball, I mean, he's there's just nobody stopping him. He is a freight train from hell going to take that layup. Like, Wiggins was, that was just fantastic. Uh, Wiggins has been awesome on defense, and you're going to need him uh, immensely in this next series. Like, he's going to be absolutely crucial. He's going to be the one that's going to try to contain Jokic. I mean, they're probably going to play that sort of zone defense that you saw them play on Jaw on Luka, but Wiggins is going to be the primary defender on Luka in this series, so he's going to have he's going to have a tough task here, a tall task ahead of him. But that block leading to the pool layup, it made it 89 to 88, and obviously the Warriors would win that one, 101 to 98. The last one that I need to play. It's when Jaron Jackson tried to force this shot with 19 seconds left on the clock. 
and then Draymond Green ends up getting the block. Clutch free throws for Steph Curry, 19.5. Grizzlies don't call time. 98-95 Warriors. Jones to the front court. Handoff Jackson. Takes a dribble. Takes about a 30-footer. No good. Rebound goes to Curry. He's fouled by Jackson. There was contact. Draymond Green might have gotten a piece of that. And now Curry comes over and listen to this crowd here at Chase Center. 9.7 to go. And we know we know what happened there. Obviously, the Wiggins block to the pool layup was a part of that game. Game four. I don't even know if you count that as a block. But that play had everyone amped up. Those would be the ones that I would purchase as an NFT. And we just got a text here uh, from the 510. I think there are fax programs that will create a PDF so that you don't need to print the actual pages. We used to have that program at work, and it saved us from printing thousands of pages each year. Thank you, 510. So much for that information. I think you texted the wrong number. Uh, from the 408, why would you buy a play when you could watch it on YouTube? For the sake of the bit. For the sake of the bit. I mean, what do you want me to? I mean, what do? Should I do this in the next series after this Warriors Mavs series? Do I say? <laughs> do, do I say which play would you watch over and over again on YouTube? Oh man! From the four oh eight, I want an NFT with Andre's face when Draymond got ejected and was running around the court embarrassing himself. Reminds me of your face when I cook. That's from the girlfriend. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> stop that, stop that. From the 408 and the 925, Gary Payton's game one dunk. Oh, I missed out on that one. Oh, that was a total... Oh, that's that's screwed up. That's my bad. That's my bad. That's my fault. I messed that one up. The GP2 dunk early on in game one. The one that got everything going. Oh, that's a miss on my part. That's a miss on my part. I missed the GP2 dunk. Mistakes were made. It happens. It happens. Damn. Oh, I missed out on that one. Sorry, 925. Another 925. Sorry, 408. All of you, I'm sorry for missing out on that one. I should have added the GP tube dunk. All right, look, we're going to continue to preview Warriors and Mavs coming up tomorrow as it is game one. We'll get the series predictions and we'll do a full-on preview. We've done a little bit today. Today was just the appetizer. Tomorrow, going to be the main course. But today, you got Bonte Hill, Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky coming up with the morning roast. You got me and producer Sam Lubman behind the glass. Thank you so much for tuning in today, everyone. And as always, go sports. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.